All right, guys. Super Bowl 56. I'm going to preview and predict that game in this episode. Going to be quite a long one tonight. But first, there's a ton of other stuff going on in the sports world, including the NBA trade trade deadline, which went down on Thursday, yesterday. Um, a lot of trades and stuff happening in the NBA. A lot of NFL teams filling their head coaching jobs. So let's get right to the NBA. First up, the All-Star Game uh, selection show was yesterday. And by the way, the NBA All-Star Game is Sunday, February 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on TNT and TBS. And uh, the format has been has been the same for the past few years where uh, two superstars, typically it's been LeBron James, Kevin Durant, or Giannis Antetokounmpo, but they both, those two superstars, pick teams uh, across conferences. It's not lo- no longer an East versus West battle, which kind of got stale after a while, but now ever since this format changed, Players have been taking it a little bit more seriously. Uh, not highly competitive. There's still the scores are like 170 to 160, something like that. There's no defense still, but still, uh, I have seen in the fourth quarter where they do start to play tighter defense, and uh, that makes makes it a bit more interesting. So, uh, let's get right to the All Star team. So for Team LeBron. His starters uh, will be Steph Curry, a three-time champion with the Golden State Warriors at point guard. Uh, DeMar DeRozan uh, for the Chicago Bulls, who's been a great, their best player in the Bulls have had just a renaissance this year with him, Zach Levine, and uh, uh, Lonzo Ball leading leading the way. You have also Giannis Antetokounmpo, who of course is arguably the best player in the league now, and he's an NBA champion as of, as of this past season. Nikola Jokic, who was the MVP of the league last year, and of course LeBron uh, is an all-star for the 19th time, which I think ties a record with Kareem or something. Uh, but that is LeBron's starting five, just absolutely stacked. And then the rest of his team, Jimmy Butler, the best player from the Miami Heat, Luka Doncic, a superstar from the Mavericks, Darius Garland, a young player from the Cleveland Cavaliers, he's their good point guard, Donovan Mitchell, superstar from the Utah Jazz, Chris Paul, the ageless uh, point god from the Phoenix Suns, Fred Van Fleet, who's starting in the All-Star or playing the All-Star game for the first time this year from the Toronto Raptors. And then James Harden, who got picked last. Um, and I will get to the James Harden trade in a little bit, but he was the last pick by Team LeBron. Team Durant. Uh, his starters will be uh, Joel Embiid, who's playing at a very high MVP level right now, arguably the best player in the league this season. Uh, Jason Tatum from the Boston Celtics, Andrew Wiggins from the Golden State Warriors, uh, John Morant from the Memphis Grizzlies, Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. Very, very uh, heavy on the guards and just ball handlers right there. And the rest of Team Durant is LaMelo Ball, an injury replacement, but a sensational rookie. Uh, from the Charlotte Hornets, Devin Booker from the Phoenix Suns, uh, Rudy Gobert, arguably the best defensive player in the game, gonna could win defensive player of the year for the record, tying fourth time this year. Draymond Green from the Golden State Warriors, three-time champion, Zach Levine from the Bulls, Chris Middleton, uh, Giannis sidekick from Milwaukee, DeJounte Murray, uh, the Spurs' best player, and Carl Anthony Towns from the Minnesota Timberwolves. So looking at these rosters, um, I think... Team LeBron by far has more star power, especially in the starting lineups. Um, LeBron and Giannis together, 
um, versus Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid. That's like the four best players, I guess, on the court. Uh, Steph Curry's, I think, is a close fifth for Team LeBron. Just a star-studded matchup, but I'm going to go with Team LeBron. Uh, not that serious, but I'll just go with him and his team. Okay, so with all the NBA trades, uh, let's let's get right to all the trades. So the biggest trade by far of yesterday was an absolutely blockbuster trade between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have butchered their name. But James Harden from the Nets, he was disgruntled the past week or so, basically quit on the team like he just forced his way out of Brooklyn like he did with Houston uh, a couple years ago. And now he's on the Philadelphia 76ers to pair with Joel Embiid, a deadly pick-and-roll combo. And he and Paul Millsap went from the Nets to the 76ers. And the 76ers, in return, they get Ben Simmons back. Um, who, of course, has set out all this season and been fined $20 million uh, after his playoff uh, choke job and collapse last year uh, versus Atlanta. Um, he is just not welcome in Philly at this point. He's been seeing a therapist. Um, but him pairing with Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving, I think that's the perfect situation for him where he can play defense, almost like a better Draymond Green, if you ask me, and uh anchor the defense uh he doesn't have to shoot at the end of games kevin durant kyrie irving can take care of that of course when they play away games since kyrie irving can't play at home games due to uh new york's vaccine mandate and the nets also get back seth curry uh, a great three-point shooter andre drummond a big body which they kind of need because they lack size on the inside and also they get two round first two first round picks from the 76ers so the way I see this trade, uh, the Nets, so they get defense, they get size, and they get shooting uh, with the three players in the deal. So the Nets, they improved quite a bit, and uh, they definitely are up there with Milwaukee in terms of being favorites to come out of the East. Here's the key. If Ben Simmons does get back to his like healthy all-star level play, uh, where he's like a 6'10 point forward who can – guard point guards or basically guard anybody uh one of the best best defenders in the league but no one talks about him because he's had so many things going on with him the past several months um but he's just an exceptional player he can handle the ball when he wants to he can drive to the basket with ease uh he can play just like i said exceptional defense he can set up other players he can uh kick it out to a bunch of shooters around him if they want to play around him when KD or Kyrie are not on the floor. Or KD and Kyrie can move around the wing a lot and let Ben Simmons drive and kick to them. It's just a lot of options with Ben Simmons if he is healthy and he can play to his all-star level that he's capable of. That's the key. And with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, you get shooting and size respectively. And I think the Nets, you know, that the, the vers more versatility like that is needed for for the Nets because we. Kyrie Irving's just put the team in an awkward situation uh, with not being vaccinated and uh, having to play only away games, not home games, because uh, that that's a really tough position for any team. And that's why kind of James Harden wants out because he was, he was pitched that he would team up with both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and two, and both of those guys would take the offensive load off of him. And that's just not happened. James Harden's actually played in more games 
uh, for the Nets than Kyrie Irving has. And Kyrie Irving joined the Nets, I think, almost 460 days, or James Harden joined the Brooklyn Nets 460 days after Kyrie Irving did. So that just tells you, like, the the chemistry and that big three just never materialized. They they did play in 16 games together, uh, six in the re- six in the postseason, uh, nine in the regular season. They were 13 and three total in those games, five and one in the playoffs. Uh, but with them never playing together, that was just it was just never going to work out. So I understand why Harden wanted out, but the way he went out, it's not a good look for him personally. Um, but Regardless, he's on the he's on the 76ers now. Daryl Morey, the GM for the 76ers, gets James Harden. Ultimately, he wanted James Harden uh, actually uh, a couple years ago. Whenever uh, Harden forced his way out of Houston, but he gets Harden now after he he's been on the Nets. So both teams benefit greatly from this trade. Sixers have a deadly pick and roll combo with Harden, one of the best one on one players in the bat in in basketball the past. 10 years or so, uh, and Joel Embiid, who's the best center in the game uh, and is playing like an MVP at the moment. And the Sixers bench is not bad too uh, with Tyrese Maxey, uh, Tobias Harris, and others. They're two starters and the bench too. I That's a solid roster for the Sixers, and they're one of the best teams in the East, so they will be a contender for sure. They'll definitely make the Eastern Conference semifinals, and depending on who they play, they could get to the Eastern Conference Finals quite easily. And for the Nets, if Ben Simmons plays to his level that he did before uh, the playoff collapse, then the Nets have a, just as good a chance as anybody in the East getting to the Finals. So both teams will play each other on March 10th in Philadelphia, I believe. So I'm going to grab my popcorn, get your popcorn too. Uh, that's going to be a <laughs> that's going to be an interesting atmosphere there for sure in Philadelphia. Blockbuster trade James Harden to the 76ers and Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets. Other trades that went down uh, before the trade deadline yesterday afternoon, the Pacers, uh, they traded DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday to the Kings, and the Kings in turn gave them Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, and Tristan Thompson. Pacers are basically in a full-on rebuild at this point, um, and they wanted to get rid of DeMontis Sabonis, who was their best remaining player and a couple other nice pieces in Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and Buddy Heald, Hal Burton, and Tristan Thompson are going to the rebuild. Uh, another big trade from the Western Conference, so C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, they are no longer a duo in, in Portland. McCollum was traded to the Pelicans, along with Larry Nance Jr. and Tony, Tony Snell. And in, the turn, and in turn, the Trailblazers get back from the Pelicans, Josh Hart, Tomas Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Didi Luzada. Uh, so C.J. McCollum goes to the Pelicans, and he's paired up now with Zion Williamson, presuming Zion Williamson ever plays again for the Pelicans, and Brandon Ingram, which would be a scary big three if Zion Williamson ever played, but that remains to be seen. Uh, the Clippers, they got rid of Eric Bledsoe, Justin Winslow, and Keon Johnson. They gave him to the Blazers, and Norman Powell and Robert Covington come to the Clippers. Karis Levert got traded from the Pacers to the Cavs, so the Cavs got uh, a nice uh, wing score, uh, perimeter score um, to kind of make up for the loss of Colin Sexton earlier in the season. And they got rid of Ru- Ricky Rubio, who's out for the season with the torn ACL. Um, and Pacers also got a first round pick and two second round picks from the Cavs. Uh, 
So the Cavs, they're a surprise team. They're fourth or fifth in the East, and they're only two games or three games back from first place at the moment. So they are clicking right along, and they've been quite a surprise to everybody in the NBA this year um, after they've lost Colin Sexton, and they're without Evan Mobley as well, their prized lottery pick from this year. And then a four-team trade went down also. So Sergi Baca, uh, he got traded from the Clippers to the Bucks, so the Bucks got uh, another big man to go inside to help Giannis and help them on another championship run. Uh, Marvin Bagley, uh, number two pick from 2017. Uh, he goes to the Pistons, who are the worst team in the league. Dante DiVincenzo goes from the Bucks to the Kings. That was supposed to happen last year, but it happens this year. Uh, Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles, they go, they go from the Pistons to the Kings. Simi Ojale and Rodney Hood from Bucks to Clippers. And the Pistons will also, they also sent two, two future second round picks to the Bucks as well. So that's for the draft capital for the Bucks. Another three team deal. So Joe Ingles, a fan favorite for the Utah Jazz, unfortunately, tore his ACL recently. And so he got traded to the Trailblazers and the Jazz. Um, I mentioned Nikhil Alexander Walker earlier uh, in a trade. Uh, he is now from the Blazers. He goes to the Jazz. Nice piece for them. And they also get Juan Nacho Hernan Gomez from the Spurs. Um, the Spurs will get Tomas Sanorensky from, from the Blazers. The Blazers, they will get forward Elijah Hughes from the Jazz. Blazers will get a 2022 second-round pick from the Jazz via the Grizzlies, who are really good this year. And the Spurs get a 2027 second round pick from the Jazz. So a mouthful there, but that's the whole trade. Uh, Chris Tapps for Zingas. Um, he is now off the Mavericks, no longer paired with Luka Doncic. Um, he got traded to the Wizards, and the Mavericks in return got Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. So a nice trade, I think, for the Mavericks. Uh, Daniel Tice, he got traded to the Celtics from the Rockets. The Rockets, they got back Dennis Schroeder, Enos Cantor Freedom, who they waived and Bruno Fernando. And like I mentioned before, Bradley Beal's out for the season with season-ending wrist surgery, and he's one of those stars to watch in the offseason to see if he gets traded from the Wizards or not. So that is all the NBA news. Uh, let's move on to the NFL uh, news not concerning the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson got hired as the Jaguars head coach, so he is... Uh, the mentor, hope, mentor, hopefully, that Trevor Lawrence needs to get his career off the ground. Obviously, the Jaguars are trying to get out from the disaster that was Urban Meyer this season. Just an absolute disaster. One of the worst head coaching jobs in NFL history. Uh, Doug Peterson, of course, won the Super Bowl with the Eagles back in 2017. Uh, beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in Super Bowl 53 um, with Nick Foles as his quarterback. Um, a lot of people say that uh, Frank Reich, the the OC back then who was, who is now the Colts head coach was more responsible, but nonetheless, Peterson has won a Super Bowl. Um, and I think he's, I think the Jaguars just needed a mature guy to lead the locker room, a seasoned veteran coach who knew what he was doing. And Doug Peterson, I think is a good candidate for the job. Like you weren't going to attract a superstar coach, let's say like a Mike Tomlin or, uh, you know, an Andy Reid or some coach of that caliber, those those coaches weren't going to leave their teams. I, they weren't going to leave their teams, but a coach of that caliber wasn't going to go to the Jaguars. So, but Doug Peterson, I think, is the right man for the job, and we'll see how he does in year one going into the fall of 2022 to resurrect Trevor Lawrence.
and get his career going. Uh, so the Texans, they hired Levy Smith as their head coach. So he's been their defensive coordinator. And uh, the Texans, they were going to hire Brian Flores or Josh McCown, but neither of those materialized, so they went to Lovey Smith. Of course, Lovey Smith uh, coached the Bears in the Super Bowl all the way back in 2006 versus Peyton Manning and the Colts. Um, he's an older guy. Um, I don't know how long he's going to last. hes I don't think he's a long-term option for the Texans. He's not that much better than David Coley, if we're being honest. And Coley did the best job he could with a pretty crappy roster. So Lovey Smith, I guess some players love him, but like, I don't know what the Texans are going to do. If they can convince Deshaun Watson to come back, great. But the roster still needs a lot of overhaul, a lot of work still. So Lovey Smith, he's going to have a terrible, and the Texans are probably going to finish um, either third or fourth in the AFC South for at least the next two or three years. Uh, just no hope. And, Lovey Smith, he has his work cut out for him the next few years. Uh, so the Saints, they replaced Sean Payton by hiring their defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen's been in the league for quite a while. He was the Raiders head coach about a decade ago from 2012 to 2014. Uh, he's been with the Saints on their defensive staff for the past several years. And now he's tasked the, with leading the Saints out of the Sean Payton era into, into the next phase of their franchise franchise's history. So good luck to Dennis Allen, whose whose defense for the Saints has been pretty good. Uh, but the key for the Saints is to have a great defense and a great offense. And without Drew Brees, and we'll see if Jameis Winston can recover from his torn ACL. That remains to be seen if the Saints can uh, get back to being that elite team from the NFC South that we've come to know for the past 10 to 15 years. And then finally, uh, Mike McDaniel is uh, now the Dolphins head coach, and he was the former offensive coordinator for the 49ers this past year. So he gets to work with Tua and see uh, if he can get Tua uh, to play like an elite quarterback. And I should mention also the Raiders, they got Patrick Graham as their defensive coordinator. He's been the defensive coordinator for the Giants for a season or two, and uh, he's worked with Josh, Josh McGinn mcdaniels before with the patriots uh from 2012 to 2015 so they both know each other so so the raiders they have their offensive play caller and josh mcdaniels the head coach and patrick graham who whose defense for the giants i mean it was solid at times it wasn't spectacular but uh he did a decent job considering what the giants were this season and the nfl awards were last night as well so I'll go through the list real quick. Uh, the MVP was Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. This is his fourth MVP. Uh, he's now the back-to-back -back MVP for the NFL. Offensive Player of the Year, Cooper Cup from the Rams, who had an outstanding season, almost 2,000 yards receiving, almost 200 catches. Defensive Player of the Year, TJ Watt uh, from the Steelers, who almost tied the sack record and played in two less games. So a uh, great season for him. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Jamar Chase from the Bengals, who was in the Super Bowl, and he's had the best uh, receiving season by a rookie in NFL history. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Micah Parsons from the Cowboys, who was who mostly blitzed from the linebacker spot, and he was in the conversation a lot of the year for Defensive Player of the Year overall. Uh, not just Defensive Rookie of the Year, but he got that at least. Coach of the Year, Mike Vrabel for the Titans, who were the number one seed in the AFC but lost to the Bengals in the divisional round. Uh, 
The comeback player of the year was Joe Burrow from the Bengals, who was in the Super Bowl and starting, uh, coming back from his torn ACL. And the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which is considered by many to be the highest honor in the league, goes to Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle of the Rams, who was also starting in the Super Bowl. Okay, a couple more nuggets before we get to the Super Bowl preview. Uh, The SEC, uh, as a conference, generated 700 and $77.8 million. And so to divide that evenly between 14 schools, about $54.6 million goes to each school. Just the SEC is king when it comes to money and football and, and sports. Like the Big Ten maybe could rival them in revenue, but the SEC, they mopped the four with the Big 12, the ACC, and the Pac-12. Just insane amount of money that the SEC generates with how good Bama is, Georgia is, and obviously Texas A&M, which generates almost the highest revenue in the league with an athletic department. So SEC is king. Uh, Auburn, so they are going to retain Brian Harson. I mentioned, uh, got, I don't know if I mentioned last week, but Brian Harson, the Auburn head coach, went six and seven. He's had players come out recently, transfers especially, and former players who are going leaving the program for the draft or other reasons come out and say that, oh, they treat him, uh, he treats them like dogs and they can't, and he can't empathize with their situations. And, but other players have come out defending him saying that he's a tough coach and he's supposed to be a coach, not a close friend. Um, So Auburn's going to keep him. And if he can get his program under control, then maybe Auburn can recover from their six and seven season this year. Um, But that'll be easier said than done because the, the Auburn fan base seems really divided at the moment and uh, not like Auburn's basketball team is covering up for a lot of the sins of their football program or the perceived sins of their football program. So it'll be interesting to see the next few months, how Auburn uh, and Brian Harson work out together. Trevor Bauer, uh, a few months ago, I mentioned Trevor Bauer pitcher for the Dodgers. He got charged with sexual assault allegations, but he will not face criminal charges. And finally, Joe West, uh, the most tenured umpire in MLB history, arguably the most infamous. He's umpired for almost like 50 years, just insane. Um, and he's made a lot of controversial calls. He's one of those umpires that it's his way or the highway. He doesn't give he doesn't give players and coaches a lot of room to argue with him. He just barks orders and throws you out of the game. He has umpired 5,460 games, just an insane amount. But Joe West... Finally retired from MLB, and MLB fans are rejoicing everywhere. Okay, guys, Super Bowl pre- Super Bowl Fifty Six preview up next. Hang on. Super Bowl Fifty Six is here, and this is one of the wackiest years of football I have ever seen. So it's fitting that the Bengals and Rams meet in Super Bowl Fifty Six out of SoFi Stadium on Sunday. 5.30 p.m. Central Kick is this game on NBC. Just grab your popcorn, sit down, watch it. You're going to enjoy it. Um, so a lot of stuff to get to for the Super Bowl. Um, tons of different angles for both teams. First of all, for the Bengals, did anybody really expect the Bengals to get here? Uh, yeah, I didn't either. They were picked to finish dead last in the AFC North. Uh, the Browns and Ravens were favored uh, in the AFC North. Nobody even thought about the Bengals winning. 
they have had the worst record the past three years in the NFL at 625 and one and turn around the next year after one of the worst years in franchise history. And they're in the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Just absolutely nuts. Um, but, uh, you know who they're led by Joe Burrow, Joe Burr, whatever you want to call him, just a guy that's exuding and oozing just so much confidence, swag. Um, he has basically resurrected the Bengals franchise. Um, this guy has single-handedly breathed life into that team, putting the entire city of Cincinnati on his back um, and just carrying confidence that really hasn't been seen in a quarterback in the NFL for quite a while. And, and for such a young player, this this will be Joe Burrow's 30th start in the league. He's only the ninth youngest quarterback to play in the Super Bowl and to start. But the way he's done is just is just crazy. Um, the Bengals, they this is their third Super Bowl. They were denied twice in the 1980s by the San Francisco 49ers. Um, when when uh, Paul Brown, I think, was playing at the time, their owner. Uh, but things are a little bit different this time around with Joe Burrow. Uh, the Bengals are by no means a long shot in this game. Uh, they have every chance in the world to win this game. Uh, Joe Burrow has been sacked about 12 times this season, but here's the key. He got sacked nine times versus the Titans, but only one time versus the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So the Bengals offensive line, which has been their Achilles heel all season long, finally buckled down versus the Chiefs' underrated pass rush and help them. Now, this offensive line is going to have their hands full versus the Rams with their pass rushers, uh, which I will mention in a little bit. Uh, but that's going to be the key. The trenches is going to be one of the key areas in this game that might honestly will help flip the outcome in a lot of different ways. Um, Burrow excels very, very well against the Blitz. His passer rating goes way up, so does quarterback rating. Um, and let's talk about his weapons. So first off, I'll start, I'll start with Tyler Boyd in the slot. He's a home run threat. He can be very nimble. Uh, on one outside receiver spot, you have T. Higgins, who's a great receiver, and he would be talked about a lot more if not for Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase had the best season this year for a rookie receiver ever in the NFL. Uh, was Joe Burrow's teammate at college at LSU. Um, they both won a national championship together in 2019 when the LSU Tigers went 15-0, and and those two absolutely lit the college football world on fire. No one could stop them. One of the best teams ever, frankly, assembled at LSU that year. But Jamar Chase was... Like he wasn't criticized, but the Bengals crit were criticized roundly for taking him at fifth overall instead of uh, Panay Sewell out of Oregon, um, who would who's in Detroit now, but was viewed as a generational blindside blocker to help Joe Burrow or protect Joe Burrow for a while. Um, yeah, I think in hindsight, I think the Bengals made the right move. Uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, that looks like a special connection. It reminds me personally of uh, Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison back in uh, the 2000s, growing up watching 
those two terrorized my Houston Texans for a long time. Um, I could see that type of run and that type of prolonged dominance from those two. Uh, they just they just have a chemistry that is hard to describe. They just know each other, know know what the other is going to do on the football field. And Jamar Chase has just shown like he he's on his way to becoming the best receiver in the league at this rate. Um, he's right up there with Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and Justin Jefferson for sure. Maybe even better than Justin Jefferson at this point, which is saying something. Um, so the Rams secondary is going to have a hard time to stop. Is going to have their hands full of shop stopping Jamar Chase. And of course, the Bengals also have a tight end, CJ Uzama, who's becoming better by the week. He did sprain his MCL in the AFC Championship. So we don't know how well he's going to do if he suits up. But if he does, then that's another weapon for Joe Burrow to have. And let's talk about the Bengals defense now. Uh, so starting with their defensive line, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, the two best pass rushers. Uh, they do a great, they've led the way they've gotten to the quarterback the most, but DJ reader and BJ Hill, uh, inside, they provide some nice pass rush as well at the linebacking, uh, position. the core is made up of Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, Marcus Golden. They're a decent group, not great, but they do. All right. And the secondary for the Bengals is pretty underrated. Uh, Ouzier is one of their corners. Uh, Mike Hilton who's one of the best corners that no one talks about. And the safeties are Jesse Bates and Von Bell, and Eli Apple is also on the Bengals secondary. And Eli Apple, he's been talking a lot this week, so hopefully that's not common for the Bengals. Uh, and Eli Apple, he's been in the league for six years, but he's been one of the most un- underwhelming talents I've ever seen go come, come into the league. Uh, but he's in the Super Bowl, so he has to be doing something right. Um Interesting because Mike Hilton, a uh, corner I mentioned, uh, he shut down Cooper couple, you know, two years ago when, when the Rams played uh, the Steelers and Mike Hilton was part of the Steelers. Now that was two years ago and Cooper cup was not as good as he is now, but you know, Mike Hilton does have a shot um, and can take some film from that and see if he could guard Cooper cup. But I digress. Um, the Bengals rush defense gives up. They have given up 127 rushing yards per game in the playoffs, which is not a good sign. And the Rams have a three-headed monster running back, and I'll get to that in a second. So I laid just laid out all the situation from the Bengals. And don't let me forget Evan McPherson, who's just been calling his shots all playoffs long. He's just been automatic, one of the best kickers in the league at a very young age. Uh, the... I said the Bengals, they're playing with a ton of confidence led by Joe Burrow. And they're coached by Zach Taylor, who, believe it or not, was the Rams quarterback coach whenever they went to the Super Bowl uh, versus the Patriots. And he was under Sean McVay, who is still the head coach of the Rams. So two very young head coaches. um, But I give Sean McVay the edge because Sean McVay has been to Super Bowl before and can learn from losing to Bill Belichick and the Patriots by losing 10 to three, the lowest scoring and most boring Super Bowl game I've ever seen. Um, so let's talk about the Rams next. So the Rams, obviously they have more star power. They're better on paper. Um, and they're, they're superstars on both offense and defense. Um, 
the quarterback, Matthew Stafford, here's the thing. You can't help but feel for Matthew Stafford. He's been in Detroit the past 12, 13 years, and this year, and before the season started, he got traded uh, to the Rams, and Jared Goff was shipped off to the Lions. And what has that done? Matthew Stafford fits Sean McVay's offense perfectly. He's a gunslinger. He can go over the top to his receivers. Um, but Sean McVay's offense is built off a of play-action pass, and P- Matthew Stafford is like the perfect quarterback in the system to do that. Um, he's just had a renaissance. Uh, just He's a tripper. He's been really tough overcoming a lot of injuries. He's really good at coming back in the fourth quarter, so he's been in a lot of close games before. He, Like I said, he's a gunslinger. He's really tough. He has a lot of weapons, and... Um, if he won the Super Bowl, it would be a dream come true and a story to tell for a long time for him. Uh, so this postseason, Matthew Stafford has been sacked only five times. The Rams' offensive line, led by left tackle Andrew Rith- Andrew Whitworth, has been pretty good. Um, and Andrew Whitworth has been uh, anchoring the Rams' offensive line for a few years now. He is 40 years old, and believe it or not, he is a former Bengal. So everything is coming full circle for him. And I think Andrew Whitworth getting a Super Bowl four years old will be quite the story. He is the oldest uh, remaining active player in the league. Uh, now, since Tom Brady is retired and I say retired in quotation marks uh, back to the Rams offense. So um, Cooper cup has been lighting the world on fire at receiver this year. He had almost 2,000 catches or 2,000 receiving yards, excuse me, and 200 catches. One of the best seasons ever for a wide receiver. He can go deep. He can go underneath. He can go middle. He can go sideline. He can go any route he wants to. His route running is just top notch in the league. Um, his shiftiness, he's quicker than people think, too. So he can hit the home run and he can, he's the best route crosser for sure in the league as well. Matthew Stafford has just benefited greatly from Cooper Cup, and I think Cooper Cup has benefited from Matthew Stafford as well. But Cooper Cup, one of the best seasons ever for a wide receiver. Um, Teams that try to bracket him, Sean McVay is still one of the best coaches in the league at adjusting and making sure he gets open still, even though he's double-team bracketed. Um, And the number two receiver from the Rams is someone who used to be uh, considered maybe the best receiver in the game, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, so Odell Beckham Jr. was acquired in the middle of the season from the Browns at the trade deadline. Uh, it, as a number two receiver, I think he's the best in the league. He uh, is a great number two option if teams truly are successful at doubling, doubling Cooper Cup, and he can throw the ball really better. He can he can throw the ball pretty well too. Uh, and the third receiver for the Rams, Van Jefferson, is their home run hitter, uh, but he's also a great safety valve of Coop if Cooper cup uh, gets absolutely blanketed and Matthew Stafford can't find him and let's get to the running back trio. So there's three headed monster running back for the Rams cam Akers, who tore his Achilles before the season, but has m- miraculously covered recovered in six months and is back on the field for the Rams. Uh, Sonny Michelle, who of course is a longtime Patriot and he actually scored the touchdown in the Super Bowl versus the Rams three years ago when they won 10 to three, the Patriots did. And Daryl Henderson is the third back. He's a better, he's also good out of the backfield too, but he can also run between the tackles. So uh, 
this that is a lot of balance for the Rams and offense. Three good to decent running backs and two or three excellent to really good receivers. So Matthew Stafford has a ton of weapons to play with, even though Tyler Higby, his tight end may not play. That's still a ton of weapons for the Bengals defense to account for. And the secondary, especially they're going to need to come up with a creative game plan to force the Rams uh, into some bad throws. But Sean McVay, again, one of the best play callers in the league. I'm sure he's figuring out a way to scheme against that defense as well. Here's the thing. Stafford, Matthew Stafford also led the league with 17 picks, tied with Trevor Lawrence for the most. But he also threw 41 touchdowns, which more than made up for all those sins and picks. Um, and his passer rating is over 132 against the Blitz. So you can't blitz Joe Burrow, but you definitely cannot blitz Matthew Stafford. He will eat you alive and go over the top. Uh, and let's get to the Rams defense now. So they are just stacked on defense, especially on the defensive line. Aaron Donald, who's in his prime three-time NFL defensive player of the year gets constantly double teamed and yet still gets multiple digit sacks per year. Um, just arguably the best overall player in the game of football. If you want to break it down that way, um, he just game game wrecks every play. He has the potential to do that. And flanking him on the outside are Von Miller, who, of course, was the MVP of Super Bowl 50 for the Denver Broncos and has had a renaissance ever since he got traded from the Broncos to the Rams. Um, and on the other side, you have Leonard Floyd, who is a, another elite pass rusher, but he gets overshadowed by Aaron Donald and Von Miller. And in the middle, you got Ashawn Robinson and Greg Gaines. So, like I said earlier, the Bengals, they are going to have their hands full with that um, – Rams pass rush and the Rams do not have to blitz. They with those four or five guys, they can uh, blitz four or five and drop seven or eight into coverage easily. Or they even blitz three with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd if they really, really wanted to. So good luck to the Bengals offensive line because that if Joe Burrow gets hit more than he intended to, then that could change the outcome of the game. Um, and on the secondary, you have Jalen. Jalen Ramsey, who's the highest graded corner in the league, uh, a, an elite shutdown corner who talks a lot of smack. He gets burned sometimes, but for the most part, he's a lockdown corner. Darius Williams is another good corner on the other side of the field. Eric Weddle came out of retirement uh, to help the Rams. He is 36, 37 years old and will retire after this Super Bowl win or lose. So another experienced player for the Rams secondary. They... The Rams' rush defense has only allowed 162 uh, yards on the ground in three games this whole postseason. That's like 54 yards per game. And that's actually a better pace than the Bucks' rush defense last year whenever the Bucks won the Super Bowl, so to give you some perspective. Uh, so another, I think, a fun matchup is going to be Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey. I've laid out for you both players how great they are. Um, and both offenses are high scoring. Both teams scored over 27 uh, points per game on offense this year. Um, and some people have, uh, thought that this is going to be a shootout. I don't know if this is going to be a shootout. I think low key, the defenses could game wreck the line of scrimmage and force 
Stafford and Burrow to throw some picks. Um, but like I said, this Super Bowl is just so wacky. Um, and I was expecting the Chiefs to get here, but the Bengals are here instead. And like I said earlier, no one thought the Bengals were going to get here. Don't, don't you say that you thought the Bengals were going to get here. Even diehard Bengals fans were just denying. Uh, they were expecting to be um, in the top half of the NFL or the top 10 of the NFL draft again. But here they are in the Super Bowl, just with a insane amount of confidence, swag from Joe Burrow, um, who's going to smoke cigars everywhere he goes. So here's my pick. I'm picking the Rams. Um, they are favored by Vegas uh, by three and a half points, according to Vegas. But this will be a very, very close game. The Rams will not cover the three and a half point spread. It's just so Joe Burrow is just playing with an insane amount of confidence. I think it's the Bengals time. It's the Bengals year. Um, on paper, like I said, the Rams have a ton of talent and they're stacked. They're just stacked. But the Bengals will keep it close. But maybe that's motivation for the Bengals to win because they're going to look, oh, Rams are better in paper. But we've been had. We've had this underdog mentality all playoffs long uh, versus the Titans and versus the Chiefs and now versus the Rams, who are probably the most stacked team that the that the Bengals have uh, encountered this off or this postseason. So I'm going with the Rams in Super Bowl 56. By the way, it's in SoFi Stadium and SoFi has typically had a lot of visiting fans there um, for the Rams. Uh, they had that for the 49ers game a couple weeks ago. And uh, we'll see how many Bengals fans. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Bengals fans there. I'm sure it's going to be at least 50-50 just because it's the Super Bowl. But the Rams, they are the second team in a row to play in their home stadium, the Super Bowl. They're not the home team this year because the AFC is the home team per se. But be sure you know that Rams fans are going to show up um, in full force as well. So... Bottom line, after all that's being said, I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams to win Super Bowl 56. And it would be cool to see Matthew Stafford win his first Super Bowl after everything in Detroit. Odell Beckham, his uh, career has just been kind of a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, good years with the Giants and also bad years too. Um, a terrible time in Cleveland where he never really got on the same page with Baker Mayfield. But now he's having a renaissance. Uh, Aaron Donald, um, for all his hard work at being the best defensive player in the league. Andrew Whitworth at 40 years old. Just a lot of players you would love to see on the Rams to win their first Super Bowl. And Von Miller could get a second. And if he game wrecks like he did in Super Bowl 50, he could be MVP as well. And I'm also rooting for the Rams because Von Miller is an Aggie as well. Uh, and low-key, um, they... The Bengals have a lot of LSU players on there, so eh, not really the biggest LSU fan here personally. But, you know, I'm happy to see Joe Burrow doing well in the league to come back from his ACL in injury and just take, take the Bengals from the basement to the Super Bowl. That's just something incredible that you never, you rarely ever see in pro sports. Just team, especially like that, going from the wor one of the worst teams in the league to being in the biggest game. So, Enjoy the game, folks. Uh, I'm going with the Rams. Um, 
whatever team you're going for, have fun watching it. Um, this this is going to be one of the craziest and wackiest, wackiest Super Bowls, I think, in quite a while. And uh, enjoy it because we'll probably not get this matchup <laughs> probably ever again with these two teams, the way the season has played out. Just an insane season of football that's coming to an end. It's going to be tough to um, see football go away uh, for the next six months or seven months. But anyway, that's my Super Bowl preview and prediction. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It's kind of surreal for me because um, I started this podcast two or three years ago um, because I'm a guy that is is just been into sports his entire life. And just, I needed, at, at some point I just, I just wanted to share it with you and share it with the world. So I appreciate you guys listening to me, putting up with me with my uh, stuttering sometimes, but I'm trying my best to give you my, my sports knowledge, give dump my brain as much as my can as much as I can to you guys. And I, I appreciate all the support you have been giving me this pat these past few years and will continue to give me. Um, because sports is something that I'm very passionate about. I've been passionate about sports my whole life. I've played sports. I've played baseball, soccer, basketball, and, of course, I played football. Um, uh, not on a formal team, but just playing football randomly as well. Um, I enjoy sports. That's just kind of who I am. That's part of my DNA. Uh, being athletic is honestly something that I strive to be. Um and so following sports and doing this podcast, it kind of gives me a way to share with you, share with you guys um, my knowledge and, uh, and it's a way for me just to kind of be myself. So I do appreciate all the support you have been giving me this, these past couple of years. So anyway, I'll quit talking. Uh, I'll sign off for now. Enjoy the Super Bowl and, uh, uh, take care. I will talk to y'all after the Super Bowl. Bye-bye.